Hey everybody, welcome to St. Stephen's Online. We hope you enjoy catching up on our talk from Sunday. I have really enjoyed this By Faith series. And today, as we arrive at Gideon, and in general, to be honest, when I preach, I feel this dual sense, this sense of privilege to preach to you, but also this sense of responsibility. And I feel this for two reasons. One, because it's my final preach here to you as curate here at St. Stephen's. But number two, because I, I genuinely believe that the story of Gideon speaks directly and prophetically into the time and the world that we live in today. I believe that the story of Gideon challenges us on a number of fronts. It challenges us about how we carry the Spirit of God and reveal Jesus to the world around us. But I also believe it challenges us about how we prioritize our lives and how we choose to revolve all other things around the person of Jesus. And so we arrive at Gideon. The people of Israel, the people of God, the main and central point that separated them out from all the other nations was that they had God with them. God was with them. They were therefore blessed with God's presence in order to be a blessing to all the other nations. The people of Israel were divided into various different groups, into various different tribes, and there each of the tribes had its own, what we might call today, like a really regional political leader called a judge. And Gideon was one of those judges. And now, you'll be pleased to know that I'm not going to cover the whole of Gideon's story today. I'm not going to go through the whole of the two chapters. But I would encourage you, after today, at some point this week, to go to the book of Judges, start at chapter 6, and read through the two chapters, to chapter 8. And I encourage you to read it. And as you see this great crescendo of where eventually Gideon does lead the people of Israel with only 300 men and with clay pots and with torches and defeats the whole of the Midianite army. However, I'm going to make a sweeping statement here that perhaps you don't agree with. Buckle yourself in. I don't believe that initially, anyway, Gideon was a great hero of the faith. I mean, as I was reading in preparation for today, a number of the Bible commentaries actually describe him as a bit of a coward. Um, because if you read the story of Gideon, there's, met, there's quite a, a lot of to and fro in. God reveals himself to Gideon and says, I am with you. And Gideon, on a number of occasions, just turns back to God and says, pardon me, God, but what's been happening here? And the Midianites are kind of taking over. And are you sure that it's all going to turn out okay? And so we arrive at chapter 6, verse 1, a familiar phrase that we read in this portion of the Bible. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Israelites were under the oppressive rule of the Midianites. Life, needless to say, was pretty 
miserable for them. The Israelites, as they were in the wilderness, were crying out to God. God, where are you? When are you going to step in? When are you going to help us? And so God sends an angel to Gideon. And what are the first words that comes out of the angel's mouth? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And this is the key verse that I want all of my talk to revolve around today. And I want to pick out two key learnings. Number one, by faith, we aren't to be intimidated by our obstacles. And number two, by faith, his presence, God's presence with us is to be our priority. A word of revelation for you. Everybody around you faces obstacles. Everybody around you is facing obstacles in their life right now. But the one key difference that separates those who know Jesus and face obstacles and have their hope in him and those who don't know Jesus is how they choose to face those obstacles. In, verse, in chapter 6, verse 12, when the angel is speaking to Gideon and he's speaking to him and saying that he is a mighty warrior, this isn't some sort of twee pet talk. This isn't some sort of off-the-cuff anecdote that he's placing to him. The angel at this point is declaring over Gideon prophetically who he is. Who he is. He's given him a glimpse of the victory that Gideon is going to see when Gideon chooses to partner with God. He's given him an invitation to see this situation, this obstacle, from God's perspective. If I was to paraphrase, I would say this. God is saying to Gideon, Gideon, you may be oppressed. The people of God may have wandered away from me again. But I am going to use you to lead them and you to freedom and to victory. And I am with you. Here's my hypothesis, okay? Choose to disagree or agree. When we, in this room, and perhaps you're different, perhaps this is just me, when we face obstacles, we can have a tendency to think that we're missing something. If only I had that key piece of information that means that this obstacle has come about. What's the key strategy that I need to fix this issue in front of me? How do I upskill myself? Perhaps that's it. Perhaps I need to upskill myself in order to tackle this even better. I'm going to work harder to analyze this. I'm going to break it down a different way so that I can overcome this obstacle. And if we're honest, or if I'm honest, it actually builds in me a sense of pride. How can I, I overcome this obstacle? And so often... I find myself actually needing to change my posture. Instead of working harder 
to analyze, to break down. May I suggest that our primary reaction for myself and to us is that whenever we face an obstacle, that our primary reaction isn't actually to understand it. It's actually to give it over to God. Let's turn to Scripture and let's see what the Apostle Paul might have to say. In the book of Philippians, in chapter 4, he says this. He starts, the Lord is near. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Do not be anxious about anything. Well, it's very good of you to say, Paul, but you don't understand my situation. I wonder how you're going to continue. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. Peace for those who hope in Jesus, for those who put their trust in him. It's not a mindset. It's not a clear headspace. It's a person. And that person's name is Jesus. And that Jesus promises never to leave us or forsake us. As you'll know, and as Rachel mentioned, it's only a few weeks now before my family and I, before our amazing graph team, head to be part of the new chapter that God is doing over All Saints in Isleworth. And perhaps as you sit here, as you hear the news, as you're stirred today, perhaps you sense a stirring in you to come and join the team or help out in whatever way you feel called. Please know it's, it's never too late and do come and speak to me afterwards. It'd be my, my pleasure to talk or chat with you about what might be happening. And there are, there are many things that we sense God doing to bring revitalization and renewal to be part of the new chapter that God is doing. But inevitably, like in any of these things, as you step out, there are obstacles. One of the main obstacles, amongst many, is the building. And let's let's name the reality here. It's a sizable obstacle. And I met with um, our amazing archdeacon. Now, an archdeacon, for those of you who aren't familiar, is somebody who... um, works under the bishop as part of the bishop's office and supports all the various um, churches with various different bits of business that they might be doing. And one of them is, is um, buildings. And before I accepted the position of priest in charge or all saints, we met in the building. And to paraphrase our conversation, he turned to me, he presented me with the bill for the building and essentially just said, what do you think? What do you think? Was this to be something that was to be too big for me? Too big for our family? Too big for our graph team? And if I'm being completely honest with you, it is too big. It's too big for us to tackle on our own. 
And I don't know about you, when I'm faced with those challenges or those obstacles, I often feel a bit like Peter. In John chapter 6, verse 68, Peter turns around to Jesus and he says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. God has called us there as a family to All Saints Isleworth. He has called us as a team there. These are our people. This is our parish. This is our patch. And let me make this absolutely clear from the outset. I am by no means a hero of the faith. But I do know that God will be with us. I do know that he has called us there for such a time as this. And I know that it is part of my role, of our role, to be unimpressed, to not be intimidated by the obstacles that he that to be not to be unimpressed by the obstacles that are in front of us because he will be with us. And so number two, by faith, his presence is to be our priority. Another thing that you'll notice in verse 12 of chapter 6 of Judges is that God totally sees the issues that the Israelites are facing. He totally hears their cry. But he doesn't reply directly with a strategy, with a step-by-step basis of how they're to get through, at least initially, the challenges that they're facing. However, remind yourself again the declaration that God, through the angel, gives. Faith for Gideon and faith for each of us It doesn't deny the existence of the problem in front of us, the bill that needs to be paid, the prospect of that difficult meeting, the fact that we've prayed for that family member for years and years and years and years and we still haven't seen them come to faith. However, God's declaration to Gideon, to you and to me, is that I am with you. And on one hand, that's actually quite a jarring response, isn't it, to the obstacles that are in front of us. However, without realising it, for Gideon and for us, this is the very thing that we need to hear. Not only was God's presence to be the central principle that separated out the Israelites from all the other nations, but it was actually to be the very source of their sustenance, of their joy, of their provision. It was to be the very thing that they needed so that they could fulfill the primary calling that God had placed on them, to be blessed, to be a blessing to the nations around them. You may have heard a few months ago, reports coming out of a university in America called Asprey of 
a specific and prolonged outpouring of God's Spirit on a particular meeting day, on a particular service. And as that meeting, as that service continued day and night, testimony after testimony of what God was doing in and through those people began to came out. And church leaders and others in this country started to ask the valuable question, what do we need to do to see what is happening out there here? How do we make that happen here? What is it we're missing? What's the strategy? How do we see that happen here? Some, myself included, would call what was happening out there revival. Prolonged outpourings of God's spirit. And if you do any reading of revival history, of history of where God has poured out his spirit on specific groups of people, whether that's the Welsh revival at the beginning of the 19th, 20th century, of the Azusa Street revival, if you do any reading of any revival history, you'll see that there is no specific formula or pattern to what God does. But there are principles. They often revolve around righteousness, around worship, around repentance, around prayer and intercession. And undergirding all of those principles and overlaying them is the fact that the people present prioritize and hunger after God's presence above and before anything else. That the people hunger and prioritize God's presence before anything else. Now I believe that there are moments on Sundays and moments throughout our weeks where we gain glimpses, invitations of that. A moment in worship on a Sunday, an answer to prayer, an unexpected piece of provision, a chance conversation in our week. And I believe that those moments are planted there by God so that we would be dissatisfied with anything else as our joy, as our provision, as our peace. That those moments would cause in us a holy dissatisfaction for nothing else than God's presence with us. St. Stephen's, I wonder if we will be like Gideon. That we wouldn't be intimidated by the obstacles that are in front of us now and the obstacles that will come. Instead, that we would see them as opportunities. Opportunities for greater intimacy with God and for us to be formed, to be more Christ-like, to be molded and to become more fully alive. But that cannot be done with greater strategy with greater hard work, with upskilling ourselves. It can only be done by faith, by prioritizing God's presence with us.
in order not that we would just be built up, but that we would become more fully alive, that we will be blessed here to be a blessing to those around us. Thanks for listening. We hope you found that encouraging. Have a great week and see you soon.